Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast, Dr. Sunny Spirit. Today, our guest, Dr. Valerie Scola, who practices in Murrieta, California. She's got a great story, great beginnings, where she came from, where she got to. And she, as of January 2024, will be 100% out of network. And it's been a long journey for her, including some financial challenges along the way and a big drop in the practice that she purchased and a discovery of things that she didn't expect, among other things. It, it's really a fascinating story. Our, our podcast today, as always, is sponsored by Kettenbach. Kettenbach's got a new product called Profacil, and it's excited, very excited to announce this as a major advancement in fluoride varnish treatments. No longer any alcohol or resin. Instead, patients will want the new treatment delivered by a muco-adhesive dimethicone gel called Profacil. It leaves a smooth, silky, lubricious feel. No more grit. Contact Kettenbach today for more details and do more varnishes that patients will appreciate. Call 877-532-2123 or visit KettenbachUSA.com. Folks, like the podcast, share it with your friends. If you don't like it, well, contact me, please, directly, sunnyspirit at gmail.com or 607-624-2962 is where you can reach me. Hope you enjoy this one. It's a good one. We will have a second part to this in a very short time in the year 2024. Stay tuned. Thanks, everybody. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe that the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe that the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. Welcome to the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast. Today's guest, Dr. Valerie Scola. I saw her put a post up, and I said, hmm, this would be a really interesting conversation and guest, and so I stalked her, and she agreed, so it's always a good technique. All right, let me give you a little background. Dr. Valerie Scola grew up in Elkhart, Indiana, in a dental family. She worked alongside her mom in her front office during high school, in the front office during high school and college. Her father practiced dentistry for 35 years Plus, here, Dr. Scola earned her BS in marketing and BA in Spanish from Butler University in Indianapolis. Cool school. 
After living in the San Francisco Bay Area for six years, she returned to Indiana to pursue a career in dentistry. She attended IU Dental School, which is Indiana, graduated in 2011 with her DDS degree, and she joined her father in practice for a short time before the cold winters and the weakened economy led her and her husband and four kids back to California. They settled in Murrieta, California. After a year in a DSO, Dr. Scola knew the corporate model wasn't for her. She purchased her practice in January 2014, and in 2015 was honored to be selected in Sizal Edge's magazine Top 40 Dentists Under 40. She was featured again in 2016 for an article about her 1965 Mustang Fastback, and in 2018 after speaking on a panel for the Lucy Hobbs Project, honoring women in dentistry. 2017, she enrolled in the Essentials One course at the Pankey Institute. The experience changed her life and set the tone of the future of her office. She continued Pankey Curriculum TMD course, making a plan to free herself from insurance dependence. In January 2024, she will be officially out of network with all plans, just in time for her 10-year anniversary of practice ownership. Very active in her community. drives. She still drives her 65 Mustang every chance she gets. Spends free time with her husband, Austin. Their four children, Lila, 18, Vincent, 16, Helena, 14, Estella, 12. They're active in the church and involved in a variety of sports. She can also be found on the softball field, of course, as scorekeeper and team mom. So please welcome Dr. Valerie Scola. Valerie, how are you today? Good, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm glad we got this together. We're recording this after she spent her time doing her softball scorekeeping today. So glad that you had the time to fit this all in. So you went to Butler University. When did you graduate? I graduated in 2000. 2000. Okay. So what did you do? What did you do prior to going back into the dental school thing? So I, um, I moved shortly after graduate. I graduated my senior year. I had an internship, um, at Delta faucet company which yeah. was in Indianapolis and, sure. uh, ended up meeting a sales rep during this three day sales training that I helped uh, organize and, and coordinate. And five months later, I moved to the Bay Area because that's where he was from. And so that is my now husband. So um, graduated in May, moved in September of 2000, and I got a job at Sunset Magazine, um, which growing up in the Midwest, I had never heard of. <laughs> Mm -hmm. but very well known um, on the West Coast. Uh, and I worked in the circulation department and I, I worked on insert cards and renewal notices and our donor gift campaign and things like that. Um, but decided, I mean, it was a great like first job out of college and I really, it was a wonderful place to work, beautiful facility because they have amazing gardens. What, what did you major in college? What, what was your college major? Uh, marketing and Spanish. So I oh, studied abroad Spanish. I'm in sorry. Spain for a semester. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I read yeah. that. I'm sorry. So, so marketing is pretty broad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Very broad. So 
Okay, so so marketing, sales, that makes sense. I mean, I, I, you can kind of see that pathway. Uh, and growing up, your dad being a dentist and working with your mom, my mom worked in the office, so you had to have a lot of conversations in the house about dental field, dental industry. What was that like growing up? You know, it's funny because I, I did spend most of the time up front with my mom, but, and I didn't really think, I mean, at the time I didn't really consider being a dentist. I just knew, um, we had a pretty flexible schedule. You know, my mom ran the office for my dad. He was really active in the community. You know, we got to participate in a lot of things. But he worked Monday through Thursday, and having my mom, it really, you know, balanced things out really well. So I think it just, what I didn't realize is that it did kind of come naturally. Like, I thought it was normal to talk about teeth and talk about dentistry and for my friends to ask, you know, what I thought about their braces or, you know, ask me questions about teeth and in school, it was always, um, you know, if I had a speech to give, it was how to brush your teeth or how to floss or why you should visit your dentist every six months. You know, those things all just seemed really normal and natural and, and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it wasn't until later working at Sunset and living in California that I, I just didn't see myself behind my boss's desk. And my husband is the one that said, gosh, you know, I think it was kind of sad that you or your brother never went into dentistry. And yeah, and I never thought about that. I just thought I wanted to go a business route and I wanted to travel and I wanted to do all these things. Um, So that Christmas we flew home and I shadowed my dad and kind of hung out with the assistants in the back and just like saw it with fresh eyes, you know, and just totally fell in love with it and thought, yeah, I could, I could definitely do this. So had to go back to school. <laughs> um, okay. Ended up quitting my job at sunset and worked part time. Like we got married and in 2003 and that fall I went back to school and just started chipping away at all those science prereqs that I didn't take. Yeah. When did you go back to school? When, when did you re, when did you go back to school for? So 2003 fall of 2003, I went back to Cal state. It's now Cal state East Bay, um, up in the Bay area. Okay. And, yeah. Worked, so, so your worked path was not, the, so people understand, right? Your path was not, was not straight. It was not a straight linear path, right? Oh, no. It's Still fascinating. Like it's interesting. So at this point, when you go back to school, do you have children at this point? Not yet. Not yet. So we got married, um, 4th of July, 2003. And then I started back in September of 2003. Okay. Um, and then I had my first daughter in 2005, April okay. of 2005. How much, how much yeah. time did and you spend? Switched. Sorry. How, how much time did you spend going back to get your prereqs done? It took me three years. Okay. To go through. It was on a quarter system. I was working part-time. My husband was working full-time. Um, yeah, got pregnant. I mean, we planned it, but 
got pregnant with her. So um, it took me a full, about a full three years okay. to finish all of that. So you start dental school yeah. 2007? Yes. Okay. And you have That's one child at that point? Okay, I was going to say, yeah, somewhere around there you're having this. Okay, so, yeah, so let's take everything. Let's pack it all in. Wow. So <laughs> when did you move back to yeah. Indiana? Did you move back around that time, 2007? No, we actually moved back in 2006. Okay. Um, and I, so I took the, I had to push off taking the DAT and because I had my daughter. <laughs> And yeah. so I took, you know, a little bit of time. And so I didn't take it until August. And so it kind of delayed the um, application process. But we knew that we wanted to go back to Indiana. I applied a few other places, but we knew we wanted to return so that I could eventually join my dad. So I interviewed in February of 06, but I was waitlisted. Okay. And so we just went ahead and moved back that following summer. Um and I worked in his office as an assistant and, um, yeah. Okay. That was what we did like for the whole next year, which helped because then I could reestablish residency. And so then when I reapplied, I got in right away and, um, was considered an in-state mm -hmm. student. So, so that helped. So you really got tested. You really got and, tested yeah. to see if you, see if you really wanted to do this. You, you had, you had jumped through a few hoops. Well, good for you. So, so you start in, in dental school. Now, while you're in dental school, did you have any thoughts that, oh, maybe I'll, you know, specialize or I like what my dad does or what were your thoughts there? Um, I don't know that I really thought I would specialize. If anything, maybe pediatrics. I mean, I always liked working with kids. Um, but honestly, at that point, I mean, I was a, I was always a good student, um, did really well, high school, college, even aside from OCHEM, you know, I did really well um, doing all my prereqs. But getting into dental school, it was a whole different ballgame. And I mean, a part of it was the fact that I had a two-year-old and a two-month-old. And it just felt like, like nothing, the material itself wasn't difficult it was just coming at such a fast pace yeah um it was just like drinking through a, a fire hose you know and so That's getting, my favorite expression right there getting my schedule you know coordinated so i mean at, at that first semester especially in that first year it was like okay i just want to i just want to get through and do well um you had to be super yeah. fantastic at your time management skills because all that you have on your plate in your personal life and now all that you have on your plate with the sheer volume of material that we all went through very hard. I mean, I know, I know what I had, I know what I had on my plate and I didn't have any of that stuff at home. I just had a, I had a roommate and I went to class. I mean, I coached basketball. That was the one thing that did take up some of my time during uh, dental school. But, uh, you know, for the most part, I wasn't caring for a two-year-old and a two-month-old. Yeah, well, and I I was really lucky because my husband was so supportive. I mean, these were things that we talked about ahead of time, you know, and decisions that we made together. And he was home during the day with them, and 
few work nights um, out at FedEx at the airport. And we, we just kind of, I mean, we just tag teamed, you know, and we knew what our end goals were. And I think everybody has something that can distract them or, you know, take them away from things. And for us, it was just, it was raising a family. Like I didn't have time mm -hmm. to mess around, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's definitely you had, double duty. And you had another child while you were in dental school, right? Yeah. Yep. Between uh, second and third year. So I uh, took my part one boards early. Um, I took them in March because I was due with her in July. So then I could just start clinic right away. And so while most people were studying for boards, I was already, you know, up in the clinic working. Um, I think I freaked a lot of the faculty out, you know, because I mean, I was there till like full nine months, you know, they were always worried I was going to, I don't know, give birth right there in the clinic. But um, yeah, yeah so I had my third between second and third year and took about, uh, I don't know, maybe a, a month, three weeks or a month um, to stay home with her and then get right back into it. Okay. All right. So you finished dental school and you had your fourth baby fairly soon. Yeah, three weeks after I graduated. <laughs> when it rains, yeah. that's three the Three weeks method. after grad, and, and I still graduated on time. That's why I'm here to say, like, you can do it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so all had... those people out there, and my husband laughs because he says that I set a precedent and I made it look easy, and then I, it was like I was, the, you know, one of the first ones, and then suddenly over the next couple of years, you know, suddenly all these women are having babies, and... So well, there you go. Okay, so it looks so easy, but you know, I mean, you can do it. So when you graduate, you go right to work for your dad. Is that correct? Yeah. So I had her in June, and then I started with him in August. We moved okay. back up to Elkhart. Yeah, but we already knew by that time that we were not going to stay forever. Right. So early on, basically the second winter in. Um, Halfway through my first year, my husband said, I, you know, I know this was our plan, but the winters were just killing him. And he said, I, I just can't do it forever. So okay. we had to talk to my parents about that. And just, you know, he was willing to stay through school. Even like five years later, we had talked about paying off school loans. Um, but, you know, the economy hadn't really turned quite yet. He just knew, like, we're going to need to switch gears here. So, okay. All right. So when you're working for your dad, talk about this. Did you see now? Okay. You're, you're, you're working on your skills, but now did you all of a sudden start looking at the business part of the practice completely differently? What, what, what did you take in during that short internship with him? Well, um, I don't feel like I had, it was, uh, kind of a rude awakening, honestly, for all of us, because um, in that, in Elkhart, the main industries are like RV and van conversions. And so they had been hit really hard um, during that time. And a lot of dentists had to close their doors. Um, wow. And luckily, my dad didn't. But 
they had definitely um, had a decrease year over year in production. And we didn't, all of us, we didn't really plan very well for me to come in and join the practice. And so they were automatically paying me a salary because I had the four kids and was the main breadwinner. Um, but they didn't necessarily have the production anymore to support both of us. And my grandpa got sick that year. And so my dad was gone a lot um, down visiting him and kind of taking care of him. And I just couldn't, I just couldn't produce that much to keep both of us afloat. And so it started like financially, it started to take its toll. Um, and by the end of the year, we had to have some really serious conversations about what was going to happen. And they had a great, great staff um, and had already made some like wage adjustments like throughout the mm -hmm. um, recession. And so a lot of just late nights and um, we decided that I should leave the practice. And okay. so that was hard. I mean, yeah, there's yeah, so many, there's so stuff. many, there's so many uh, strings attached here. It's not just a job. It's, it's family. It's right. You know, your dad, probably your hero. Right. And, and the fact that we weren't going to stay forever. I, I think if, if the plan was still for me to take over, I feel like we would have made different decisions or we would have figured out how to make it work, but it was kind of just an easy solution to, you know, say like, I'll step, I'll step yeah. aside. Um, still practice? At, at that time we had an opportunity to where my husband had a friend who they were hiring. And so we thought, well, maybe this is our, maybe this is our opportunity. We were going to stay longer, but maybe, maybe now's the time, you know, and mm -hmm. this is going to open the door. Um, is your dad so started looking into that, but I had already, you know, taken boards and thought, and I had taken the NERB because we thought we were going to stay for five years. So I had to mm -hmm. retake boards, like travel with patients down to Louisville, like take, you know, get re-licensed. I mean, yeah. it, took, it took a little while. Yeah, I, I, I'm part of that NERB. So that's what my, my deal was in Northeast Regional Boards, and they only cover so many states. And yep. uh, unlike medicine, yeah, we still exactly. can't figure out. California wasn't one of them. Yeah, we can't figure out in dentistry that a tooth in California is the same as a tooth in you know, Ohio or the same as a tooth in Virginia or Florida or wherever. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so backwards. Anyway, so, so yeah, so now you got to relocate. you got to go through the whole board process. you got four children. One's fairly young still. you got to break ties. Okay. So now you go out there and you join a practice. And how did that work? How did you find that practice, first of all? Well, I called, I honestly reached out to a classmate of mine who was from San Diego and asked her, where are you working? Um, how, you know, who do you know? And how did you get a job? And she was with PDS, um, okay. which help? I didn't know a lot about. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and we just, and I just started applying, um, all over the place, honestly. And I flew out a couple of times. It took a while to get my 
license. And so I missed out on a couple of opportunities, different places for working interviews because I didn't have it yet. So finally got that. And we decided to move. We decided to look at San Diego because um, we knew we didn't want to go back to the Bay Area. It was it was still hard to find an associateship that would be full time at that time as well. And my husband really didn't want to live in the East Bay or Sacramento or something. So we and my sister in law lived in San Diego. So we thought, all right, let's look around San Diego and um, opportunities came about with with PDS. And so I went through all the different phone interviews um, and that's where she was. She was working and she seemed to be happy. You know, she seemed to be fine. So I flew out for a couple different interviews and then um, there were opportunities in Temecula and Marietta which is where we ended up, um, which is just north, about an hour north of San Diego. And um, man, that first working interview, uh, I I was I, like, the writing was on the wall. I kind of knew, I don't think this is gonna be a good fit for me. Um, I didn't really, and I'll be honest, I didn't really didn't understand a lot about the differences in insurance because my dad didn't, deal with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just didn't, you know, they, um, they would file insurance. I helped my mom up front for years, you know, mm-hmm. filing claims and chasing down claims and, and all of that, but they were always at network. So it was very simplistic back then. Yeah. Um, working so interviews. having to upsell people. Working interviews. You don't want to, we don't want to have that conversation. I think those are the worst thing that a dentist can do personally as an employer i think it's borderline unethical i think i I think it's the worst the worst model that people use but anyway so you take the job you go in you go in there and you're you're actually practicing very close to where you are now correct very yes very very close i mean we stayed in the area yeah so what was it like when you started What, what 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 was your experiences then now Going from okay, I was working in Indiana, and now I'm working here. Well, what is? What did you see? You started talking a little about the insurance differences, but what about the the climate or the the culture and that kind of stuff? Um, yeah, I mean, it was you know, so I mean, let me back up for a second. I I did after I left my dad's office, I ended up getting hired on at a um, primarily Medicaid based clinic about a half mm-hmm. hour away um, in Mishawaka, near South Bend, um, go Irish. And I got really comfortable with working on kids at that time because okay. it was about 85% kids, but it was, so change it was your you know, okay. Medicaid-based and then you'd have, yeah, yeah, and you'd have a handful of, uh, you know, private pay or, or um, sure insurance base but you know but i i was just an associate so i didn't i wasn't in charge of any of that type of stuff but that was a really eye-opening experience because it was just a completely different socioeconomic background altogether and not really what i was seeing in my dad's office you know so i got a lot of experience with that um so then working at the dso they had me between two different offices and it was just, I mean, as you are familiar with, I mean, it's just 
whatever came in your schedule, like you need to convert it. Everything was today, 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 today. And it's very much, um, what can you, what can they finance? You know, what can you qualify for? And if the patient wants to stay, then you better believe you're staying. And so I just felt like torn because I really wanted to provide great patient care. And I saw the example in my dad with the relationships that he built with people. And um, it was very hard to do that because you had to be in three places at once, you know? And um, I was, I, it was like, I almost never got a lunch, worked late every night. They didn't know when to expect me home. And the kids were really young. Um, you know, one to seven when we moved out. And so it was hard. It really took its toll on me. And then just the pressure, because I could do the same work one day and get paid one amount and do, you know, as I did the next day and get paid a totally different amount, just based on whatever the insurance was. Mm -hmm. And I, even though I was in marketing, it wasn't, I never enjoyed sales. It just felt like too much pressure. Um, and just the constant reminders, like when the oral surgeon was coming in, oh, hey, look for look for wisdom teeth, look for extractions. We got the oral surgeon coming in. Oh, we got the endodontist coming in. Look for this, look for that. I'm thinking, like, I'm not making up treatment just because you have this specialist coming in. You know, what they need is what they need. Um, so that was a struggle. And, and then being between both offices, I learned later that because sometimes I would schedule people on a different day. And if I was in the, another office and the production was low, they would actually call my patients and try to make a deal for them to come be seen just to boost the production that day. You know, if you come in today, we'll take 10% off. And it was patients who told me that later, you know, you know, they called me like, I no, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So, um, they were fine with, you know, just kind of, you know, undercutting what you were doing, but then holding you accountable to like meet these numbers mm-hmm. and push treatment. And I just, okay. I was miserable. I mean, I wanted to quit dentistry, honestly. Okay. So at what point do you move on? When do you, when do you buy or when do you move into your own practice? What, what's, what's next? Yeah, probably, um, I would say probably within six months, my husband and I were talking about that. And he said, you know, you wanted to work for yourself anyway. If you're going to be working this hard, you may as well be working for yourself because it's just going into their pockets and, and you're miserable, you know. So let's start looking. At first, like very loosely, we were kind of looking for an associateship. But, um, and I got connected actually with, an orthodontist who happened to do his um, his uh, ortho residency at IU, and it was it was through the orthodontist at PDS, and she was working part time in his office, and we would commiserate, you know, we mm-hmm. didn't um, we just bonded over how much we, you know, hated it there really, and so she got me in touch with him, and just having that IU connection. Um, 
great. I mean, just, he's a great guy, but I met with him to find out, Hey, do you know, like, who are some good yeah. dentists in the area? Yeah, give me some, give me some input on, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Lay of the land, yeah. who might and be, so who might be our retirement age. Like, well, yeah. Yep. He gave me names of people who like, well, I don't know anybody in particular, but here's who I trust or here's people who might be, might be looking. Um, and that didn't pan out, but at least started getting me more familiar with other people in the community. Mm -hmm. And we ended up, um, you know, getting pre-qualified, started looking at, we were looking all over the state. Honestly, we were even considering like, do we go back to Indiana for a while, but we knew we wouldn't stay, you know, so that didn't really make a lot of sense. Um, we looked all different practices and then um, had looked pretty seriously at one that was right down the road from where we lived. But the wife, they were selling the practice and the business at the time. And the wife was a, an attorney and she absolutely would not give up any of the financials unless we made a full price offer. And so we tried working, tried working and they lost that out. So of ridiculous. That, 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 I mean, at least four buyers. It's like, listen, you want to buy my house? Sure. What, well, what kind of, well, I don't want to tell you how many bedrooms we have. I don't want to tell you anything. You got to, you got to contract yeah. to buy it. Holy cow. I've never yeah. heard of that in my life. That is so bass backwards. It's not even it funny. It was crazy. So is that what you did? It was crazy. And it was too bad because he was a really nice guy and a great dentist. And she was, she ruined it for him for years. I think it so, took him another two years to sell because we backed out too. Like, this is crazy. You know, we're not going to. Agree to that. Yeah, there's a um, there's an attorney. Yeah, but, uh, doing all of that. Yeah. What's that? I said there's an attorney who stepped way over way over the line. So so this oh, education, so the education you get here gives you a little more confidence to go out and buy something, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And honestly, my husband, I mean, he is like the driving force behind so much of this. I mean, he's a go getter. He's a great negotiator. He, and he really kind of boosted my sales, you know, um, to go like, we can do this, you know, you, you can do this. I believe in you. Mm -hmm. um, and so in, in just connecting with all these different people, when my practice came up for sale, the broker called right away and said, I think this is perfect for you. This is what you're looking for. Um, met with her and I mean, right away, it seemed like, yeah, this is it. You know, just talking to her, the way she treated the patients, um, now, it just question felt so about, familiar. It felt a lot more. Question about your broker. Was your broker a buyer broker or was the broker the listing broker? It actually... It was the lender who got me in touch with the buyer broker. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That was, that was who it was. And then they handled, and then we kind of hired our own team of uh, people mm -hmm. <laughs> to review everything. Although want, even that, like. Do you want to share what it looked like, what you purchased, like what the practice looked like, any of the numbers or anything like that, if you're comfortable? Sure. Yeah, sure. Because I feel like I got in over my head, honestly. So she was, 
um, she was young. She was only about 45 or 46 at the time and was having some health issues and kind of wanted to, I mean, even said to me, like, she kind of wanted to go hard for about 10 years and then retire early. And she really doubled the size of the practice when she took it over, um, which was, I think, 2001. Uh, they didn't have much of a perio program at the time. She brought in a periodontist. Um, he actually is still with me today. Um, but she was doing, I bought it for 1.4. And she was doing anywhere between like 1.4 and 1.6 a year. Oh, wow. Okay. So she was a, she was a dynamo, honestly. And I think um, the appearance seemed a lot like my dad's practice, but once I got in, um, <laughs> you could tell <laughs> that she couldn't quite keep up with the work either <laughs> at the end of it all. I think early on she, she started out great, but, um, how, how long did she stay with you? How long did she stay? He only, she was supposed to stay to complete cases. She stayed about two days and that was, wow. and it, it was all it. a surprise. It was not really handled well, especially as young as she was, it shocked the patients. Um, you know, we told the staff like the day of, um, basically she said, okay, I'll talk to them first. Why don't you meet me at, you know, such and such time that day, it was like a Tuesday and, um, January 7th, um, 2014, because the periodontist was there that Monday and, um, it was a shock. I mean, it was a total shock. And then she came in twice over the next week to do a couple of cases. And then was like, I don't think I need to be here anymore. You know, you got it. <laughs> and okay. Wow. So just talking to the staff, all right, so, talking to all the patients. So now you got the whole thing. Yeah. You got the whole debt. You got the whole yeah. burden. Everything's on your shoulders. You barely know anybody. Yeah. You haven't had a chance to build any relationships with any of the team, let alone the patients. So walk us through the first year, six months, whatever. What, what was your biggest, biggest challenge now in the next six months? Yeah. So keeping up, just them getting to know me in general, you know, you got to slow way down um, to earn that trust with people. And um, so that, and I just, quite frankly, I just didn't work as fast as she did. I mean, I just couldn't keep that pace and still do quality dentistry. So I needed a little bit of breathing room. But what also really kind of complicated things significantly is that pretty soon I've got a lot of, well, unfinished treatment from her and open margins, sensitivity, yeah. you know. Remember, they, how, how, long, how long did your, did your uh, negotiations go? Did it go three or four months? With dealing with that? No, when, when you were buying the practice, from the time that you started oh, looking at um, it to the time that it you ended actually up had being, 
Yeah, so it was the very end of October that we met, and then we decided that we would have it start at the beginning of the year. So, so, so she knows. It out. So she knows that literally, oh, yeah. as soon as this deal is written, I'm out the door. So to me, it's also yeah. like when you have an, an employee who's like, "Listen, I'm leaving." They've already left. You know, mentally they've checked out, and we've seen exactly. that with with I certain people that retire. <laughs> Yeah, so she retired in October. I was was completely naive. Yeah. Yeah, completely naive. And I I remember my attorney at the time, because her husband was a dentist, and she's like, hey, um, these numbers, you know, like, there's just some red flags here with with some of this stuff. But I felt like, wow. Okay. But still. Like, what's our worst case scenario? You know. Right. And look where you are now. I was contacting her again. Yeah, but look where you are now, right? You wouldn't be where you are now if you didn't make it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a lot to clean up in the beginning. And, um, I was, I contacted the attorney within a month and I was like, Hey, what was that part about redo work in my contract? She goes, Oh, geez, how bad is it? (laughs) Like, I mean, half my day is spent dealing with this stuff for finishing work, you know? And so we went back and forth for about a year. There were things that, you know, a list was never given of the unfinished treatment. It, it could have, I probably could have sued for breach of contract, but I didn't want right. negative press. Yeah, it's you, like, you, you know were, what? It's done. Let's pay, just finish up. I, I just want to be done with it. That was, that was the, that was the toll that you had to pay for your independence, right? That's, and you have to look at it that way, the tax, the toll, whatever it is, you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was. Um, but patients never knew what was going on. And, um, and thankfully, we actually ended up reconciling um, about a year later and, and met for lunch for years until she moved away. Um, and she wished me well, and you know, I mean, you just like life's too short. Well, she never, she never, she never made good on it, right? She never made good on it. You just forgave her. She came in and finished work, right? She came in and she she ended up working for about four months, completing redo work and finishing work. Oh, okay. Um, well, that's good. That's legit. Yeah, we did we did work that out. Yep. But that's pretty. Yeah, we that's did pretty... work that out. That's pretty trusting on your part to ask her to redo work that was done poorly. What makes you believe she's going to do it right this time? You know, that's, that's pretty big. Yeah, leap of I mean, faith. That's a good question, but I mean, I was in there at that point. Yeah. It's a big leap I of faith. I think she knew I wasn't going to leave her alone. What, what did the, what did the, what does the office look like? How many rooms, how many st- team members, what did you end up getting? Like, uh, so it's five ops. Um, uh-huh. And she had two hygienists at the time. Uh, one was 40 days a week. One was about two and a half, okay. a little over two. She worked like two eights and one six. Uh-huh. And she had three assistants and two front office. But I think she had just let a third front office go because they came at me immediately wanting raises and uh she promised me this and what about that? So it's like, I felt like I was getting it from both sides, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You um, got, you we got, were, you got duped. Yeah. It was a lot. Mm-hmm. It was a lot to handle. I, I felt overwhelmed. And um, those are the times that I wish I had more of my husband's uh, 
personality. Like he handled, he worked for a, at one time he worked for a, um, a termite and pest control company up in the Bay area. And he was in charge of the construction side. And I mean, he had like 40 subcontractors under him. Like he had no issue, um, you know, moving those pieces around and, mm -hmm. and managing people. And I was, I was way more complacent. Like, let's, I just want everybody to like me. We all know what we're doing here. I don't need to yeah. tell them what to do. Typical and, and they ran roughshod. Yeah, typical you know? I mean, they totally... Right. Yeah. But, but your primary goal, but your primary goal is to get to know those patients because that's what you want and you want them to like you. So they establish a relationship. There's nothing, there's nothing inherently, you know, bad about that whole process, but right. now you got to put on your business hat, right. And you got to be right with everything and you can't really let out some of the stuff that went on behind the scenes with the prior doctor. That's just, not going to go well for anybody so yeah you have a lot that you have to handle so the first year sort of wraps up so i'm going to i'm going to assume that you get a little bit of the cleansing and she helps clean up some of her messes you start to establish relationships then at what point oh okay so it wasn't until 2017 that you took the panky course so so this is 2014 okay so talk about between 2014 and 2017, what are you seeing as you're getting really ingrained in the practice? What are some of the things that you're seeing in terms of how the business runs? Well, I, you know, in hindsight, again, I think I overbought. Um, I was kind of in over my head a little bit. Plus, again, her being one foot out the door, I she didn't have a pano a bunch of the hand pieces like it needed to be replaced like i suddenly it was a money pit and i also got starry-eyed and thought oh well the periodontist he's not you know placing implants yet so if i get a comb beam then that will allow him to be doing more and so immediately i took on this huge loan for that replaced a bunch of hand pieces, replaced cameras, you know, just everything that was starting to fall apart. And, um, and I found myself in debt in a hurry, mm -hmm. in debt. And I, I let go of one of the assistants right away. Um, but then I had an opportunity where one of the assistants that used to work for my dad, she actually moved out here and started working for me. But foolishly, and then somebody else had to go on um, medical leave for a while. And so then somebody comes in to cover for her. Well, I was, you know, had no backbone and just felt like, well, I'll just keep them all, you know. And mm -hmm. I had way too many people. I tried moving one of them to the front to help out in the front. Um, I mean, it was just, I, I just had no, no direction. And, and no control really, and started to get into um, real financial trouble. And my and when and the consultant that I had at the time also was clearly in over his head, and not really. And he was from Indiana and kind of doing this remotely, and would come out and and visit. And it's like, oh, we're almost there. We're almost there because I was still producing, and I did make my strength is 
relationships for sure with the patients. Mm -hmm. But I also, um, when I had to get recredentialed, I had to get in with Delta PPO and Premier, and she was Premier only. So she was in with maybe seven plans and suddenly, you know, my crown fee drops immediately because of the PPO and there's all these umbrella policies, mm -hmm. you know, and before I knew it, I'm in with like 25 different plans without even intentionally wanting to be. So I've got way too much staff, you know, I'm paying out the, through the nose in, in payroll, getting paid peanuts from these plans and running, you know, all the rooms and just like on roller skates, trying to, trying to get it done. And I was burnt out in a hurry. And so the consultant was trying to say like, well, maybe you guys should, and we bought a house <laughs> like six months into ownership. We decided to buy a house as well. And he's saying like, well, maybe you could uh, take a second mortgage out on the house. And I started talking to my husband and he, you know, pumped the brakes on that in a hurry and was like, this stops now. Okay. Like tell me everything because I kept thinking I can get it on track. I can get it on track. If I just do more, like it's going to be okay. And, and it wasn't okay. And at, I was, you know, at this point, at this point, what is the practice producing? Uh, growth was still just over a million. But with the write-offs and everything, I, I want to say like eight hundred. Oh, so no, it was eight hundred and nine hundred. So, so forget forget producing. Let's like talk that. about yeah, real numbers. So you're you're now Collection. in half of the value of the practice that you had, and the reason she had all those people yeah. is because she was running around like crazy, right? And that's not your style. Yep. Okay, so all right, so yeah. at some point, at some point, you got to have an epiphany. Then I got to believe. Yeah. Yeah, what does that look it, like? thankfully, you know, was my husband <laughs> going, this stops now. And so we actually, and uh, so it was him, and then it was also me being involved in a study club. So I, early on in the first year, I happened to go to some, some business function that the bank was putting on, and I met an endodontist there, and he invited me to this study club. And lo and behold, the orthodontist who I had known prior is in the same study club. So it was just like immediate connection with people and starting to look at more comprehensive care and how to balance some of these things out and hear other people who had a lot more experience, even ones who went, you know, we just had to let go of a hygienist who was with us for 13 years and it was really hard, but here's, here's why. And knowing they weren't all um, fee for service, but um, maybe a few plans, but also just similar type care, you know? So being able to plug into that mm -hmm. also really helped significantly. And then uh, my husband started researching other, other uh, consultants, other different programs to see, okay, is this gonna help? You know, how do we, how do we clean this up? And uh, we ended up hiring on a different practice management group um, and they really helped put more systems in place and they had a coaching component and a consulting component. Um, I was with them for about a year and it really started to 
we didn't we didn't like erase it completely, but it really started to steer things in a much better direction. Uh, I had a couple people leave. Um, I was probably was still overstaffed, honestly, even then, but we were producing more patients were trusting. I definitely was gaining new patients. I was involved in different things in the community, um, just meeting people. And so I, I wasn't having an issue with bringing new patients in. Um, but it, it was the insurance plans too. I mean, it just, I started to see, okay, I'm, I'm producing more and I'm booked out, but I'm mm -hmm. writing most of it off. You know, it's not really helping. Right. Um, but we continued on and, um, and just kind of stayed afloat, you know, for, for most of 2016. And then in 2017, um, so in, so we did a hanky, uh, study group, like the learning groups through my study club. And so then that was how I was originally introduced to panky and, um, I think I really feel like it was the study club too that kind of spurred me on because I was one of the newer ones at the time. And so the oral surgeon that uh, in, two, in 2016, um, he had a big uh, fundraiser on Veterans Day for the military and all kinds of different auction items. And so Panky auctioned off the Essentials One course it was like, oh my gosh, I want to win this. You know, my husband and I were like, you need to go to this. You need this extra training. And so I put down my bid of, you know, a thousand dollars, which was still a lot of money for us at that time. And cause my husband was just staying at home. I mean, he wasn't working. Like this was all me and nobody else bid on it. They were like, <laughs> We're letting Val have that, you know, and I'm sure Panky probably didn't love the fact that it was only a thousand dollars. Honestly, no, they, they opened me with welcome. They welcomed me with open arms. And, um, and so that next year in 2017, I went to E1 and I mean, that's all I can say. It was just life-changing. It was like, you know, cause it was, it's more than teeth. Okay. It's so teeth. it's balancing work and life. Let me ask you a couple of questions. I know there's a slight delay in the timing. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Uh, when, when you bought the practice, she was doing about one, four, one, six, what was her net or what was her overhead percentage then? So interestingly, she was probably doing even more because what we found out is that she was just billing out the adjusted fee and so she was, um, I mean, close to like 98%. No, no, no. What, what was she, was, so if she's billing 1.6, what was her take home? Like what was the overhead percent? Yeah, she was still bringing home. She was still collecting most of that. Okay. But, because she was billing on the adjusted. So we realized after the fact, she was probably doing $2 million. It, does, it, it doesn't Sorry, really matter. No, yeah, no, I, I'm saying when you look at her her profit and loss statement, right? Oh. 
what what was her yeah. net? Because I got to believe that when your production and your numbers go to half, your your overhead has to be in the 70, 80% now. Yes. Yes. So her overhead was only probably 50%. Right. Yeah. Okay. So there's a, there's a huge difference yeah. in buying a practice that gives you $800,000 of money to now yep. you've run it for a bit, you've had, to, you've had your challenges, and now the practice is doing half of the overhead, excuse me, half of the gross yep. numbers, and your take-home is even yep. less because of this huge increase yep. in your overhead percent. So if you don't get that panky class for $1,000, it probably would have been too steep a cost to go into on your own. So you do that with the blessing. And then when you come back, let's not talk so much about Panky, but let's talk about the changes you're going to make to your practice. When do you decide to say, all right, I'm dropping insurances and here's how I'm going to do it. Yeah. So honestly, it was shortly after that. It was, it was realizing I can't do what I want to do in this environment. And so I came back and we started looking at the plans and, you know, like you mentioned before, like what's the low hanging fruit, you know? So we started going, okay, well, who's paying what and how many people are in those plans? And we immediately just started axing, you know, some of them, I mean, some of them, maybe I had 20 people. You know, it was next to nothing. Um, one of the big ones that we dropped right away, which I, I felt bad about at the time, was um, United Concordia and TRICARE because it was military and there mm -hmm. are a lot of military people. But it was, I mean, it was paying 40% right. of my fees even mm -hmm. then. Um, it was just a no-go. I mean, it was just completely losing money. So we, we dropped that and we started dropping some of the other smaller ones. And, and then, um, and we would talk with patients. We would actually talk with patients about that and, and what that meant and just start helping them to understand, you know, dental insurance isn't like medical insurance. It's the reverse. It's more like a coupon book, you know, and, and explaining the differences um, and, and the challenges in that. But, hey, we're still going to bill your insurance. You can still use it, et cetera, et cetera. And honestly, like the first couple of years, I didn't really notice a huge difference in my numbers. I, I'm sure I had some patients leave, but it wasn't a significant amount. So we felt like, all right, we can still do this. But I and, I, and my hope was one day I want to be able to drop Delta because I knew that was my biggest nut because I had... Um, all the teachers and administrators, school administrators, um, mm -hmm. police and fire, like it was just, I mean, as with many people, like it was, it was huge. It was um, when did a you, big part of the practice. And so we kind of whittled it down. When did you make the decision to ax Delta? When was that? That was probably the last plane you dropped? Well, so... I had some staff change over and slowly got some better people in place over the years too. And we had kind of whittled things down to about five plans and then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, okay, this is my chance. 
Um, I had furloughed my team. I had kept my my uh, patient care coordinator. It was just, you know, the two of us in the office every day. Um, I think that's when I discovered the fee for service podcast amongst other, you know, different resources. It became a, you know, CE, even more of a CE junkie. And it's like we couldn't do enough, you know, webinars at that time. And I thought, this is it. If I'm going to have to see half the patients, I darn well better be getting paid a fair fee for it. And so we, in May of uh, 2020, we sent the letter to Delta and then I got cold feet and they came back with, oh, you know, you can keep Premier if you want and we'll still send the checks to you. And that felt easier. You know, I, I just, I just would, and I, in hindsight, I wish I would have just pulled the plug at that time. I wish I wouldn't, because I, my full team came back after COVID and in hindsight, I wish I would have just done it, you know, in one fell swoop and then not have brought everybody back and then built slowly from there. But that's not what I did. <laughs> I dropped PPO, not Premier. I had a couple more left that next year we, we got out with all the rest of them. But we held on to Premier, um, and kind of just backfilled. Uh, I definitely lost patience. Number one, we didn't handle it well because I just did it. And then we would talk to them as they came back in. And I, and I didn't do it one-to-one -one myself. And I also... My patient care coordinator is phenomenal and, and she explains things so well to people, but we had moved her into a different role. And so after a while, she had someone who was totally new to dentistry explaining this to the patients and shame on us for thinking that it was going to, you know, go well. It, it was nothing but confusion for a lot of people. And I, and I fully believe that I probably could have kept a lot more people than I did had we handled that better as well. Um, let me, let me ask you this. So what did your numbers look like at this point? Cause you said you've cleansed yourself down to five plans and you dropped at this point, you, you move yeah. out of four and you change Delta from PPO to just premier. You had to see a slow, steady increase in that overall practice number, and you had to yeah. see a slight decrease in your overhead. Yes, slight. Um, because then I decided to purchase a mill, you know, in 2021. So suddenly I've got a loan again. I paid off the comb beam, and now I've got another loan. So little things, but it was definitely much more comfortable. Um, much more profitable numbers were increasing um we were climbing up into the nine like high 900s yeah. by that time just inching so close um and then finally in 2022 end of 2022 we crossed over and it collected just over a million mm -hmm. so i mean i was scraping and clawing to get to that point, you mm -hmm. know, because I think that first year, first and second year, maybe we're at 750, 780, 
you know, I mean, it was, it was a huge drop. But don't you think those early victories gave you a little momentum in conversations moving forward that it's going to be okay, yeah. right? And, and your mindset, you clearly described it. Your mindset changed. You said, I am not going to do this at this point for this amount. Not. And I think that's key. Yeah. Once you have that mentality, you're never going back and you're going to burn the boats, as the saying goes, then then the rest of it becomes now just a sort of a math exercise. Yeah, exactly. And by the end of 2022, I said to my team, okay, this year is going to be the transition year. That's going to be, we're, we're going to take a year and that's okay. We're going to assess this. We're going to start talking to people right out of the gate. We're, we're going to give them ample amount of time to really process what's going to happen and we're going to hold their hand through it and that's what we've done um and the early conversations were more we're thinking about doing this and just kind of getting feedback you know um you don't have to decide today but if you did what you know what do you what do you think what are your concerns would you stay would you go and just kind of um had you know a unscientific survey of what's the response from people and what does that mean and what does that look like and then right around may we got serious about okay let's dig a little deeper and look at these numbers and see is this feasible because what shocked me is that i ended up having a lot more Delta patients than I thought I did. Cause I thought, man, like I, I lost people. We got rid of a bunch of this, but a lot of people stayed and a lot of people backfilled in. And it ended up being when we ran May over May, we were still 59% Delta. And so I thought, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. Um, uh, don't get so cold 59 feet. 59% Delta. Don't get cold feet. Right. No, no, we're, I mean, we're, we're good. We're good. But it was like, how do I, I need the team on board. I knew I wanted to do it. I knew my, my billing coordinator and my patient care coordinator, I knew a hundred percent, like they wanted me out even sooner. We ended up also doing a pretty hefty fee increase, um, in November of last year. And so that helped, but again, then suddenly our write-ups, our write-offs just were going up because we had so many Delta. So we did analysis. It was 59%. And let's see. So May to May, we build out a little over a million. And 32% of the revenue was strictly Delta. 352,000, but I wrote off 592,000. 600 grand. Just from Delta. Yeah. I said, that's, that's it. Even if we have to get smaller. And so we had a real, we do team meetings uh, every month. We do, you know, huddles in the morning and, and it was, okay, this is the major topic. And, and what are your thoughts? What makes us different, you know? And we had talked about that, the quality of our office. I, I really, I started working with a different consultant too, 
um, right around 2021, and just getting everybody on the same page, you know, and and realizing the value that we had to offer patients, like we, and having those comments all the time. Nobody, yeah, nobody's ever done an exam like that. Nobody has ever asked questions like that. They, I mean, it was just really positive feedback constantly. And, um, you know, and there's a dentist on every corner. I mean, there's like three dentists on every corner. I mean, they're everywhere. We know people can go other places, but finally like getting them to understand, like we offer something special here and we're not for everybody and that's okay. But, you know, we know what we stand for and we know what we have to offer. And I even kind of gave them, I, I kind of gave them an out, you know, by having that team meeting, like, what are your thoughts here? What are your mm -hmm. concerns? And they were all systems go. Okay. So you know? Jan we, but then I said, okay, so the second half of the year. Yeah. So January, 2023, you make, you, 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 you that's it. You're, comp excuse me. Did you say January, 2023? No, you said, uh, oh, January, 2024. That, that we're going to be, right. yeah. So we're officially going to be out 2024. So we just sent the letter, but we've been working up to that this whole year. All right. So we have to, the second half of the year, like, we have to have a six month follow-up podcast. So next year, about May, you got to call me and we got to set this up and we got to yeah. have that conversation. So what does it look like now? You made the, you made the decision, you burn in the boats, you're going, you have the team rowing the oars in the right direction with you. So there's a true team approach. Yep. And where are we at now? Looking good? Uh, so far, so good. I mean, it was, you know, it was a lighter, it's been a lighter like three weeks than I would like, but in general, we're good, you know, for the year. Um, I ended up losing an assistant in May and it or late April and it took me like five months to find a really good solid second person so just having the one but the one had been with me you know nine years um, and we worked great together so it's like that would have helped but um, not necessarily and then the day that I hired that assistant is when my second hygienist decided to give notice and she and her husband are going to travel the country for a year. Mm -hmm. And, but, and so I'm, you know, happy for her, but, um, that actually allowed me to restructure the schedule for next year already. So we decided with the numbers that we had and the projections for next year that I didn't really need, uh, eight days of hygiene. We really only need seven. So I hired somebody for three days a week and I, to finish out the year, I have a second person just kind of balancing that fourth day, but we're already looking ahead, kind of condensing and anticipating a little bit of the attrition. Um, and from what we, from what patients have expressed, we really think like, like 50% of them are all in. I'm not going anywhere. I get it. Just tell me what I have to do. 25% are, we don't want to go anywhere. You know, let's, let's see what this is like. You know, um, we, we want to stay, we hope to stay. And then 25, they've just said, Oh, we can't, 
I just can't do it. But even with them, we just say, you know what? We understand you have your own decisions that you have to make in finances, but just know you're always welcome here. We'll always yep. take you back. Yep. You know, um, we care about you. And they appreciate that, you know? Yep. So my, my suggestion, so we'll, so we'll my, my suggestion is going to be, while you're looking at condensing, I think you're also going to have to look at expanding because it's going to, it's, you know, there's going to be some dust settling, but I think about this time next year, you're going to be saying, I'm going to need to add certain things because your new patient influx is going to be better. You're going to be making more dollars per, per service and you're going to be doing more of the things that you want to do to begin with. And you're going to find that the patients are going to respond and then like will refer like. Yes. And we talk to them about that too. Cause they go, you know, we love it here. Well, like, you know, like attracts like, like we adore you. We want you here too, you know, mm -hmm. and it is a wonderful atmosphere, you know? So I'm hopeful, honestly, I'm really, this is probably the most excited I've been. Um, the most confident with the team that I have, with the communication with the patients, it hurts, you know, the, because the ones that, some that say that they're going to have to leave, you know, it surprises you. Some that you maybe kind of want to leave, or like, guess they're not going anywhere, you know, and they stick around. But overall, I, I have very few patients that I don't care for at this point. We have a wonderful, wonderful um, group of patients, and I'm gaining even even now as we've transitioned through, um, just constantly gaining wonderful people, yeah. really great people. Yeah. So, and they're going to be paying yeah, the full so freight. I'm, I'm feeling good. You know, you're dropping all the discount plans. Six hundred thousand dollars for some people. That's an entire practice. Yeah. Right. Right. It was very eye opening, mm -hmm. and then knowing too that Delta. You know, they, they won't even, you can't even put in for a fee increase anymore. They said flat out, nope, we aren't going to negotiate anymore. We will base it on the demographic and we'll, you know, you know what that means, right? lower accordingly. What, what, that, what, that means, what that means is we're going to look at how many people we got signed up. And then if we have enough, the tipping point is yep. in our favor, then tough on you. That's all. Yeah. It's a and the good news too is I learned um, that a guy around the corner who has several offices, he's actually, I just learned recently that he's dropping Delta as well. I mean, it's, you know, and there's quite, there are several top name people in the area. And, and luckily, like when people look on, on Facebook, you know, the, the different community groups, thankfully I'm a person who is constantly mentioned amongst some of these other people and it's good company to be in it's really fantastic company and then it's like well then why shouldn't i be also being paid what these people are being mm -hmm. paid as well because we we know that we have a great office everyone um, has, having a few of these people all of yeah everyone has to make their own decision right there's no there's no you do this so i'll do yep. that everyone has to make their own decision what's best for oh, them no. and their patients and their practice You've made your decision, and I'm happy for you because you haven't made it in any way easy for yourself. So, good for you. I feel good about it. I'm, I'm excited. I, you know, and it's funny because today, I mean, I enjoy talking about it. I enjoy even, um, you know, I've learned so much 
I've learned so much and I, um, it has not been an easy road. It mm -hmm. still will be challenging. I know that. And I have to remind myself of that. Um, because the slow times will come and you do kind of second guess, or am I doing the right thing? Um, but so many other people are behind me too. And hearing feedback, even from so many of the patients with the full confidence that, you know, the ones who aren't going anywhere, um, mm -hmm. it, it really spurs me on. And, and I go, you know what, like we, we learn and we grow and we get better. And, um, Thank I, God. I learned a lot over the years and I think my, yeah, my leadership with my team is so much better. The, just the communication, the honesty. Um, I, I didn't have that early on and I do now and it's fantastic. All right. Well, we're going to wrap right there. I like that. Uh, I do have to ask you one last question. Okay. You're a first timer. So you got to tell me. If you could go back to in time to any place or spot or do anything with anyone, like where would you go? So, yeah, I, I knew that this was coming and it still doesn't make it any easier because I think there's so many like time frames to choose from that I think would be fascinating. But um, truly, I believe I would like to go back uh when jesus came here I, I would love to listen to him preach and teach and heal and um just to see that and experience that um you know aside from the second coming <laughs> i think that would be pretty pretty incredible I would love well, to have experienced that. That's the beauty of that question is everybody's unique. And I could tell I had hints of it as you spoke that that may be your thing. And you know what? Good for you. Good for you. Well, it's going to wrap it all up. Thank you very much for sharing so much. But this is a TBD, though. This is to be determined. We have to follow up because we've got to you're going to have a ton of people in your corner. For sure. I will put on the show notes if they want to reach out to you or send you a note because you sent me that. Uh, thank you, that bio. I'll share that with our show notes. And thank you very much. If you need a hand or something, you need a, I, I'll be available to help you if you need something. Or if you you know, you know have a, an idea and you want a dumb idea, you can ask me. I got plenty of those. So, okay? <laughs> thank you. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Fee for Service Dentist Podcast. If you would like to share your fee-for-service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.